0: This week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast, your premier podcast for the casual shooter. This week's going to be a little bit different as well. We do have a USPSA Grandmaster revolver shooting in the studio waiting to be talked to. Um, he's also a 3D printing hobbyist and an occasional food imposter. I'm sorry, food poster. Now with that, if you would. Join me and welcoming to the show, Jay Slater. How you Hello, doing, Jay? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> Good. If you would, go ahead and take a moment and introduce yourself.
1: Hi, I'm Jay Slater. So if you uh, if you if you know of me, it's probably from a couple of things. Possibly the revolver guy on Instagram. Possibly the Elo ratings guy on Instagram. Or maybe you've seen me uh, working one of the uh, the local majors, or you come to the match I run. Oh, you run matches. Okay. Yeah. A little bit of everything.
0: All right. So, Jay, um, the first thing I like to do is throw you right under the bright lights and interrogate you with some very personal and difficult questions. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, if you're ready, we'll start. Let's dive in. All right. Question number one, favorite movie.
1: I think I'm going to have to say The Incredibles for this one. I like the aesthetic and I like the soundtrack.
0: Okay. All right. One of the better animated movies. That's I'd cool. say, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Favorite book?
1: This one, I could, I could give a ton of answers, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and stick to just one. I've always been a fan of kind of what I consider the golden age of science fiction, which is say like 1960 through 1980, and uh, "The Moat in God's Eye" is one of the, uh, one of the finest science fiction novels ever written. So I'm gonna put that one down. I think I'll put my marker there.
0: The Moat in God's Eye. Now, what is that? It is. Uh,
1: a story of first contact in kind of a hard science universe. So, uh, like a very, a very well thought out alien species and a well realized human uh, society and the consequences of them interacting.
0: Hmm. Do we go to war in that book? Uh, kind of. Okay. All right. No more um, spoilers. You'll have to read the book. Yeah, it's worth a read. There we go. All right, number three is if you're a superhero fan, who would be your favorite superhero? If not, who's your favorite historical figure?
1: For superheroes, I think I would say Iron Man on the, uh, on the basis that he's a builder, and I also like to build things.
0: And it's science fiction fictiony kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Like
1: he, he, he survives on his brains and the stuff he can make, and I appreciate that.
0: Okay, for sure. Now, I I can't say exactly how you're going to answer this, but I have an idea what the general answer is going to be. Your favorite gun and your favorite caliber, they don't have to be intertwined. They can be completely separate of each other.
1: So favorite gun, uh, in in the safe over there, I have a webley revolver in 455 so it was it was never ground down to take 45 in moon clips it still takes the original uh british 455 and that's so i, I started i got into guns as a, like a collector more than as a competition guy and that's i think one of the cooler things in my uh in my collection so it's it's got like all the the classic roll marks from british armories of the first world war it's dated 1917 it's all kinds of cool stuff
0: I was about to ask you how old it was, but you just told me. So it's yep. 106 years old.
1: Yeah, it actually it goes really well with the uh, with the what the the number one Mark III Enfield. I've actually I shot a two gun match with that back in 2015 with those two, and that was the first yeah, competition. Yeah, no, it took a long time. I'll, I'll put it <laughs> that way. Yeah.
0: Wow, that's pretty wild.
1: Yeah, loading loading singles out of a uh, out of a pouch on my belt into the revolver. Um, I I didn't time out on any stages and that was my that was my goal.
0: Uh, well, that's actually impressive then. And as,
1: as far as favorite caliber goes, that's, uh, that's a tough one. Um I like So I like 762x39 because I kind of see it as the poor man's 300 blackout. You know, you, okay. can, you can do you can do anything with 762x39, you can do with uh, with 300 just for cheaper and you've got to do it yourself instead. Uh,
0: as far take. as take
1: as far as recent calibers go, I, I like my thirty. Well, not recent. I like my thirty-eight short Colt because it is, kind of, like a, a very classic cowboy caliber that uh, that we in USPSA load to levels far far beyond anything you'd see in the uh, like in a load book.
0: Now, you just mentioned it's a classic cowboy load. Do you do any of that cowboy action shooting stuff?
1: I don't. Uh, there's not a ton of that around here.
0: Okay. And you're Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. You, you may just end up having to move west. I mean, <laughs> uh, now, uh, well, I was, you actually mentioned that you had it. Now, if there was one revolver that you don't have that you could purchase, what would that be?
1: Does it have to exist yet, or could I uh, could I suggest a product someone could make?
0: You could suggest a product. That would be actually very interesting.
1: So, Kiappa, you know, they're, they're Rhino with the revolver that fires from the bottom chamber in the cylinder. That's very clever, and I've heard very good things about it as far as what it does for recoil characteristics. So, if I could get one of those with an eight round cha- uh, cylinder, rather, I'd probably I'd probably at least give that a try.
0: Yeah, what caliber would that would you want it in? Uh, they
1: they make one in nine.
0: Okay. So an eight-round, nine-millimeter, fires from the bottom, revolver.
1: Yeah, be, be very soft shooting.
0: Okay, now would you would you shoot that in competition?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I am kind of revolver guy on Instagram, but I actually carry a semi-auto. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm very well acquainted with the impracticalities of revolver, thanks to my. Uh, my experience shooting them in a in practical competition, right? Yeah.
0: But so, but I mean, you would if you if they built something like that and you were going to shoot revolver in competition, that would be something you would you would do.
1: I'd certainly give it a try. Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. So, Jay, I reached out because um, I saw that you were posting. Let me go the. 2023 ratings for USPSA of all the shooters. And I found that very interesting. Um, But first off, how did you find... You said you started buying guns as a collector. Uh, At what age did you start doing that? And then at what what point did you find competition and decide to start competing with revolvers? So as far
1: as collecting goes. That started probably
0: 2013
1: or so. And like many people in that field, I started by buying a you know, $100 Mosin at a local gun store. And it it sort of took off from there. Uh, branching out into various Russian stuff at first and then the British classic stuff and then around 2015 or so, I, I think it was 2015 or 2016, I went to the my first couple of matches. I started in two-gun out in eastern Ohio and uh, two-gun here out east it's it's tough to find but I'd consider really good two-gun because all the ranges in like upper Appalachia are really short range Hmm. and I don't I, I like rifles but I like rifles when you can stretch their legs a bit and you don't get that much in pistol bays around here
0: right yeah there's a lot of it's hard to find a long range range in this area Mm -hmm. So, like for me, I'm Central Virginia. Um, There is Quantico, which holds matches on occasion. But if you wanted to go to a private range, I'd probably have to go to Shadowhawk or the other, um, I can't think of the other range right now, up in West Virginia or down to Pig River in the very southern tip of Virginia. So there's nowhere local. They're hard to find.
1: Yeah. And so uh, I guess around the end of that year 2015 or 2016 I looked at what I could what I could shoot around Pittsburgh and it was all USPSA. So Pittsburgh's actually it's I'd say it's a pretty good USPSA town. We have a uh, one of those places where you can find probably two matches on almost every weekend of the month when it's nice outside. Okay. Yeah, so I I got into USPSA shooting production actually. I hadn't really picked up revolvers yet by that time and made my way through a couple of divisions in the following years so it was production in 2017 limited in 2018 and then carry optics in 2019 and i was talking to a friend of mine toward the end of 2019 and saying i'm gonna try i think either open or revolver next and he knew me well enough to write down his prediction for what i would end up doing and put it in his desk and he pulled it out later when i had decided on revolver and said i mean obviously that was what you're going to do I just, I've, I've always found revolvers fascinating despite their I'd say impracticality in, in a lot of ways, they are cool pieces of machinery. So oh. I start, I, start, I, start, I picked up a revolver for the first time in 2020, and uh, I think it was until... I shot that at kind of like a, a B-class level through the middle of 2021 or so, at which point I kind of decided, at my wife's prompting, actually, to take it seriously and, you know, see if I could get good. And over the next year or so I did, I made it to Grandmaster in the middle of last year uh, after finishing ninth at nationals and yeah, that's kind of the revolver story.
0: Now that's interesting. I've never heard anybody say at the prompting of their wife, right? What, yeah. What spurred her to say that to you?
1: So in her youth, she was a competitive figure skater and martial artist. So she's very familiar with the, uh, with the concept of taking something seriously, like picking a scale and developing it to the point where you get very good at it. And mm. I, Never really had any of those. I've always been kind of a dabbler, and uh, revolver I find interesting enough to you know to want to practice it obsessively. And so she kind of said, "Well, give it a try and see what happens."
0: Now, with your production limited and carry optics, what are you classified as with them?
1: Uh, well, now I'm classified as M on account of the revolver. Job. Right, but but, 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 but percent, percentage-wise, yeah. yeah. So when I shoot carry optics. Recently, I kind of shoot in with like the middle tier A guys. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm percentage wise, I'm still down in like the 60s in all of those. But
0: Okay. All right. And I, uh, are you, so what are you shooting? What's your schedule, your shooting schedule look like this year?
1: Uh, pretty busy. Um, I've got the Falling Steel World Series coming up uh, along with the low cap classic down in Kentucky. The next, I've got Maryland States up next, I think, in June. I'm actually, I'm working Harry Optics Nationals this year, so I'm going to get to see how I stack up for real against the semi-auto heat.
0: Okay. Yeah. I thought I had seen you practicing. (laughs) You you posted a funny video of of loading a semi-auto, so.
1: Yeah. um, The funny thing is, some of those are faster than I reload them the right way right now. It's on account of limited practice.
0: Okay. (laughs) Now, what are you, what weapon and optic are you using at carry optics
1: so i have a uh, beretta 92x performance again i've always been kind of a beretta fan as far as semi-autos go and right now i have uh, an ftp alpha 3 on it
0: an ftp alpha 3. yeah
1: i think it's more traditionally like an open gun optic but
0: oh okay yeah like a frame mounted optic Mm -hmm. more than a slide right optic
1: okay But I got, a, I got a good deal on it, and I've heard that they'll last long enough. You know, I'm not going to shoot a ton of carry optics this year. So.
0: Oh, okay. So after carry optics nationals, you're shooting that and then you're working it, right? Yep. Okay. I assume at some point you're going to be shooting Sight nationals. Yeah. At the same place, actually. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I'm going to be
1: there three times this year. It's, it's about three hours from my door, so I... Figure uh, I'll take advantage while it's uh while nationals are nearby.
0: That's op skip and a jump.
1: Yep. Especially after Talladega, which we drove last year and that was probably a mistake.
0: Now did you ever shoot frostproof?
1: I've never shot frostproof now. Okay. Actually the, the the first nationals I attended was uh was classic last year.
0: Okay. How long did it take you to drive to C M P? I
1: think a total of about eighteen hours, but we did it in two legs
0: holy cow yes I we realized it was that much farther for you so yeah
1: it's a it's a haul.
0: wow because it took me about i want to say about 11 it might have been was it, it maybe maybe like 16
1: but still in the in the the mid to upper teens
0: that's a drive
1: yeah
0: and it sounds like there was more than one of you that made the drive
1: my wife came down with me um we oh, okay turned it like a little tiny vacation i mean i was busy most of the time but she likes solitude so Hanging out uh, around hotels, yeah.
0: There's plenty of solitude uh-huh. in that place. Holy cow.
1: Although, we actually found uh, a Mexican restaurant that, passes, that gets her seal of approval. Um, her, on, on her dad's side, she's Mexican, so she's got a strong opinions about Mexican food.
0: My wife's like 100% uh, Irish. I swear she's got Mexican somewhere in her blood <laughs> because that woman could eat Mexican food every single day. That's good crazy. stuff. crazy. I'm like, you got Mexican somewhere in your bloodline, because that's just not normal. It. I don't mind it because I like. Yeah. I'm from Texas originally, so um, I'm okay yeah. with Mexican food. But I would, someone who's pale, white, and Irish, I, it isn't normally that attracted to Mexican <laughs> food. So, um, but yeah, there's not much else going on down there at CMP, so. No. Plenty of solitude. Looks like there's going to be a lot more at Columbus, though. Are you going? stag or by yourself well, or i've uh
1: i asked for a single room and she might come out for some of it but that's also uh there, there's stuff at work for her going on that time of year so
0: okay now what's the third time you said oh i guess uh the falling steel challenge yeah. okay and that's coming up what that's like next month isn't it
1: yeah beginning uh, middle of april
0: yeah yeah okay you're not going to go out there for the Buckeye Blast and try to win some money?
1: Maybe I don't know. Uh, my <laughs> my calendar's pretty busy already this year, and I'm trying to 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 not run after every uh, every major that comes along. I did that uh, some last year, and I think it was probably a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, there's a balance in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. So what do you have going on in between? So obviously after Carry Optics Nationals, I assume you're just going to be shooting revolver. Yeah. And so, are you shooting any matches between the two?
1: So I've got uh, Area 8, which I'll be shooting in, you know, mm. Revolver, like normal. And uh, there should be the i East Coast Regional in that window, too. That'll be, I think, toward the end of July. And I may end up shooting open Revolver there. So Revolver with a dot on top.
0: Okay. Now let's talk about i because I am not super familiar with it. I- I'm aware of it. But... How does ICor differ from USPSA? So
1: it's more or less USPSA with the serial numbers filed off. The major difference is that it's, uh, it's time plus time plus scoring.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah. But the, so it, it's, the stages are very much like uh, very much like USPSA stages in design, uh, as opposed to IDPA stages. So typically, you'll find a lot of field courses. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of thing not not a lot of uh scenario based stuff
0: okay all right they
1: do occasionally do uh, all steel stages so it'll just be you know two on the big plates and one on the small ones sorts of things and mm-hmm. those are who, because you, you you go from the uh the gotta shoot alpha's points down mentality to yeah just grip it and rip it on the steel stages and it's it's a, it's a fun change of uh change of attitude
0: so how does, how does time plus scoring work?
1: Uh, so they use the, uh, the NRA tombstone target. Okay. So the, uh, the middle two rings are the alpha zone for down zero. The next ring out is the bravo zone for down one, and they do uh, one second per point down like IDPA. And then the rest of the target outside the middle circles is down two.
0: Okay. All right. So that's how it works. All right. Hmm.
1: So it's relatively punitive, actually, compared to uh, like a USPSA target, where the Charlie zones pretty big and a lot more forgiving as far as uh, the scoring goes.
0: So I assume then that the times are slower because you're having to be more deliberate. Mm-hmm. Okay, it'd be interesting to <laughs> it'd be interesting to run some uh, USPSA matches with those targets and that yeah. scoring. You know. See how everybody slows down. Run it. It'd be interesting to set up a stage, um, like a field course, identical, two different bays, one with an I core set up in scoring, and one with USBSA in scoring, and then have people run both to see how they would compare side by side. You know. Yeah,
1: maybe we'll mm-hmm. uh, do that as a side match sometime this year.
0: There you go. I like that. That would be very interesting to look on practice score and then compare the two, Mm -hmm. you know. You also mentioned earlier, and I wrote it down, that not only do you compete, but you now are a match director. So you run local matches or Mm -hmm. what?
1: Yeah, uh, one one of the clubs around here, I sort of fell into it. I designed a couple of stages for them in, I guess it was 2021. And that was enough for them to kind of start gently shoving me into the we're all taking more and more responsibility but okay. I don't mind It's uh, we actually have a lot of volunteers um, but not the, the previous uh, match director was kind of there I don't want to say I don't want to like be mean to him but more as a caretaker of the thing than uh, me I'm, like I'm, right. I'm I'm invested in putting on like a good match with like really high quality stages and uh, like something that people will want to come back to, um, because not just because it's shooting, but because it's really good USPSA.
0: Yeah. You're a little yeah. more passionate about it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I get it now. How, so you're also an RO, you're a match director at what point, cause you, I mean, it doesn't seem like, and that you've been shooting all that long. Um, but you jumped right into the deep end how long did it take you from your first match to go you know what I want to be an RO and I'm going to get way more involved in all of this
1: So I ended up I got I took the RO class in 2020 I think because I thought to myself well I'm not you know all that good yet I figure it's a good way to shoot majors for cheap and So that that was the the story behind that and then of course I went and ruined that uh that justification by going and getting pretty good shortly after but, and uh for for running the match that was again mostly just uh seeing a need locally and kind of feeling like I was a good person to step up and fill it.
0: All right. And you're is that like once a month or
1: Yeah, we do okay. uh we do a Saturday match um, toward the end of the month.
0: Okay. So what, like next weekend or
1: uh we're not starting until April, but uh we mm-hmm. yeah, we we're, we're the 4th Saturday typically.
0: Okay. Is the weather where you're at just that much that you guys wait till April to kick it off?
1: That and also uh, the like my my volunteer set runs a little bit older, so I, I like to. I don't know if I could get them to to come out for the like a, for a March match. But right. a, a lot of the clubs around here will start in April as opposed to uh, as opposed to March.
0: When does it end? November? Uh,
1: October or November, depending on the weather. Okay,
0: it's I can sweet. see I, I can see November being difficult too because you've got thanksgiving right around the same mm-hmm. time so it'd be hard to have people there so yeah it's okay. usually
1: a seven match calendar for
0: us okay now at what point or what is your background that got you into all of these statistics that you share
1: the fun thing about that is i actually don't have any formal statistics like statistics background i am a computer guy by training and trade Okay. So,
0: one MIT thing. Guy.
1: Yeah, well, one thing about like the programmer mindset is that we kind of think to ourselves, "Well, well why would I leave a problem unsolved? I can do that." Hmm. And so, I, the idea for the for the Elo ratings was actually I got that from somebody on a Discord server somewhere. Just we were talking about, well, wouldn't it be cool if uh, if we had some way of measuring major match performance? And I thought, well, I mean, there are ways to do that. We'll just start typing and see what happens.
0: I mean, I can start typing and see what happens, and the answer is nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I might crash my computer. <laughs> I'm not getting anything out of that. So so you have not just a, a computer background, but you have software engineering background? Yeah. Okay. That explains where this comes from. So I want to go to the analyst. Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. The let me back up. Yes, I do want to go with the analyst. Now, when I was looking at that earlier, is this software that you have written? Yes. And how does it work and what does it interface with?
1: Uh, so USB SA analyst is what I kind of uh what I decided to call this little tool. Um at the very beginning, I wrote it for the purposes of uh, filtering match results in a different way, so I could say compare myself to everyone shooting low cap as opposed to revolver shooters, which uh, of which there are typically zero at other local matches. So okay. once I once I did that, I kind of had the 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 structure I needed to start reading practice score match results and doing more analysis on them. So what Analyst does is it'll take a list of URLs for practice score match results and Run, run the Elo rating algorithm on them, and so the way Elo works is that it's kind of, uh, it's based around the idea of making predictions and then correcting itself when its predictions are wrong. So if how,
0: how does it know the predictions are wrong?
1: So say, uh, say you and I are shooting at a match, and the, the the starting condition in Elo is that everyone's rating is the same. Uh, so if we if we perform differently at a match, say if you uh, if you beat me by 5%, then it knows that our ratings shouldn't be the same and that yours should be a little bit higher than mine. So it'll kind of update its, uh, update its estimations in that direction. And eventually it'll get to the point where its predictions are fairly close to what's actually happening. And that's when the ratings have kind of converged on uh, like a relatively accurate position.
0: Okay. So assuming there's no catastrophic issues, a disqualification or mm-hmm. something happens to your gun, like, like, I had at nationals in twenty twenty where I had basically a squib round, yeah, so i couldn't i zeroed a stage i mean i you know I assume that as long as you don't have something like that then it it gets to be fairly accurate
1: yeah some of uh, some of the secret sauce is uh in ways I try and avoid counting uh, catastrophes like disqualifications um, in in particular if if there's a stage where a lot of people end up zeroing it i kind of reduce the impact of that on the ratings for kind of the same reason the the more people who zero something the less possible it is to draw uh, like good statistical analysis out of that stage
0: okay yeah so you do you just manually then so i take it then if you're running the program and you're getting these results you're you're manually going in and changing that or just deleting it
1: so the the algorithm kind of de- does some, does some make some effort to detect those uh, those sorts of things. Okay. Yeah. So it it all happens automatically uh, as it as it's processing the results.
0: Okay. How long did it take you to write the software?
1: Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see, a, a, a long time probably. Um, okay. I think prob, on the order of a month or two of uh, like, working hours, say.
0: Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I take it you would have to write some, run it, write some, run it to see where the problems yeah. were?
1: The, 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 the basic structure was relatively easy to get right, like just doing the ELO math in the first place. The part where I've spent a lot of time has been on uh, filtering, like we talked about, and also on finding what the right parameters and what the right uh, mathematical tweaks are to generate things that look right to the you know, to the trained USPSA followers' eyes. Okay. You know, one, one of yeah. the, you know, when, when we when I run a a rating set, I look at Open and think, well, Siler should be on top of this. Or I look at PCC and think, well, Max Leogrande should be winning this. And if they're not, then there's usually something at issue with the math beneath it.
0: Mm, okay. This kind of reminds me of the... Uh the movie, the internship with Vince Vaughn. Hmm. I, I take it. Did you see the movie? I don't think I have now. Oh, you, you might want to watch it. Actually, <laughs> You might find it pretty funny. Um, but so real quick, it's Vince Vaughn. And I can't think of the other guy's name. Uh, Owen Wilson. So they're laid off salesmen and they get an internship at Google. So they're having to do software stuff and, and other things. And there's a scene where, of course, it's, it's very uh, stereotypical. Um, they spend a night out there at the Golden Gate Bridge overlooking it, and they decide to come up with a software program that you could run on your phone an app to be able to determine if you're sober enough to drive or not. <laughs> and the Asian guy's like, I can write that S- On the way back on the bus (laughs) you know it was it was very funny but um you might find that movie a little bit funny because there's a bunch of there's a bunch of software stuff that they're always talking about throughout Mm. the movie and of course vince Vaughn and owen wilson are like 40 everybody else is like 20 (laughs) so there's that huge disconnect um so it's actually pretty pretty darn funny but when you said it took you a month or two for some reason, that whole, oh, I can write that overnight, I'm like, that, that didn't happen. <laughs> so I, what what all are you, what are the capabilities of this software? Or lim- maybe, it's, maybe it's easier to say limitations, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that might be an easier way of looking at it. Uh, okay. The biggest limitation as far as generating good ratings goes is that Elo in general, the the math works best when people are well connected. So, I don't know how it would do on say, the dataset of all USPSA matches. Uh, in in that case, you have a lot of disconnected islands, that so people who shoot mm-hmm. in local areas who don't travel very much, and there's only oh, so much yeah. you can do with people who uh, travel to major matches to uh, like to, to spread ratings around like out around the country correctly. The the ratings that I've shared those are based off of major matches going back to 2019. So I've, I found that's a pretty good set. And it, not only does it generate uh, ratings that look right, it also does a pretty good job at predicting kind of the general shape of uh, of results kind of going forward too.
0: Okay. Um, I went ahead and I just clicked on the first one, which was carry optics mm-hmm. um, that you have shared and Your ratings, I I didn't check to see how many there were, but that doesn't matter. Looking at the top five, uh, Nils, JJ, Max, Mason, and then Christian Seiler, which I was kind of surprised I would, has he competed in that many carry optics matches to, I would I would be surprised that he shot that many carry optics matches to place him in the top five.
1: So he's actually only shot, uh, as far as I know, just the one in the data set.
0: Okay. It, it might it might have
1: been two. Uh, he didn't shoot carry optics nationals, I think. So it was I think it was a, like two dragons cups maybe.
0: Uh, I think he shot area eight last year and was third. Hmm. Was he in carry?
1: Uh, he? I yeah, I. I saw him there. I don't recall if he had his open gun with him or if he was in carry optics. But at yeah. any rate, uh, one, one of the things the math does is it it kind of uh, it uses uh, multipliers so that when you first start shooting, your rating changes by a lot more so it kind of gets you to the right general neighborhood uh, shooter. Okay. Yeah. So he's kind of took advantage of that by being himself and shooting really well at the first, uh, the first match he ended up at and that gets him higher up the
0: list pretty quickly. I have a spreadsheet with all the area champions from ah, last yeah. year. So, let me go to area 8. Nope. It was area 6. Ah. That's where it was. And Max was first, JJ was second, Christian was third. So that's I knew I had seen him on a an area Yeah. That's why I was kind of excited, thinking he was going to shoot Carry Optics Nationals, and then, you know, initially he was, he was going to, but backed out because of uh, world, so hmm. Now it looks like you have done this a couple of years now. This is not the first year you've done this.
1: I started, I, th- I really only just toward the end of last year, I think.
0: Uh, okay. Yeah. Did you by chance do it? I'm scrolling through your. <laughs> Instagram to see if I can see anything from last year. Did you run them before, like the last nationals, and then go back and and compare? I think
1: it was for one of the. It might have been Area Four last year. I actually had a. I have a mechanism to to look at registrations and then generate predictions. So. Mm. I, I I looked. I think I'm pretty sure it was Area Four last year that I looked at ahead of time and made some uh made some predictions and okay. those came out fairly well actually oh really yeah i, I don't yeah I, I, i'm able to find a link for you if i non-full screen okay.
0: here but that would be interesting what made you decide i mean i, I know there was a discussion on discord but what what made you to decide to write the software so it can be so encompassing
1: once i got started i found that the uh like the the data it was generating was fascinating to me and that's typically enough for me to spend a really um a really surprising amount of time on stuff oh this is interesting to me i'll just i'll really crack on and get a ton of it done and uh this is it's, this is for sure one of those cases. Um, one of the, one of the things that I've found really interesting about the past, say, year or so on Instagram is all the USPSA data coming out. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, this is just it's a really interesting way to look at uh, to look at shooter scale in a way that classification may not fully capture. Okay. Yeah, and I'm I'm not one of those people who is. Who says that the classification system is totally broken? Because one of the one of the findings I've generated out of this data is that it's actually very highly predictive of match results. There are there are outliers, uh, like the the ranges say of Elo rating and classification overlap at the very edges, but the sort of the average GM is a lot better than the average M, who's a lot better than the average A, and so on down the spectrum.
0: Okay. All right. So it throws that whole paper GM comment in the trash.
1: Yeah, they they do exist, but I don't think they're nearly as common as, uh, people, as people make out.
0: Yeah, I agree. I've never liked that term, so it's interesting that your um, statistics show that um, it's not to be the case.
1: Yeah, I, also I, I like Steve Anderson's thing on that. You know, if if you're going to call somebody a paper GM, you'd better be one yourself.
0: Yeah. Yep. I totally agree with, and, and I like, yeah, I agree with him. All right, so what are we looking at here, Jay?
1: So on screen, we've got a you know, a line chart with a couple of lines on them. There is a, uh, blue, a blue line, which is sort of, it's plotting the shooter's place versus their percentage. So at the very left-hand side, there's somebody, the, the winner of the match at 100%, and then the percentage kind of goes down by place as you, uh, move further along, and the uh, the green and red lines above and below that blue line are the 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 Elo-based predictions that I made for each shooter. So, if the blue lines between the other two, the prediction was pretty good. If it is outside, then the prediction was a little bit off.
0: Okay, so for the most part, it's right in between. Yeah. Okay. The
1: the big thing to rec- like to remember about Elo is that it's based on You know, it's it's very much a past performance thing. It doesn't really account for people getting better or worse over time. Uh, It's very much a trailing indicator of where people end up. So that's, I think, one of the main reasons why it gets things wrong when it does.
0: Okay. So it would be interesting. So how could, let's say, let's say me, let's say I decided, you know, um, like you went from what, B to G in a year? Yeah, roughly. Okay. Let's use you as an example. How would you use the software initially as a B-class shooter and then run it as a, a, a GM and then compare the two to see where you... Could you even do anything like that? So I
1: don't think it gets specific enough to get into analysis for individual shooters. It will, okay. it will tell you... At a given match, where you've overperformed and underperformed, based on how your rating goes up or down, uh, one of the things that I found gives better results is uh, the the maths actually run not per match but per stage. So your your rating will change a little bit in this system based on uh, each individual stage performance.
0: Okay, so yeah. it'll be like a little bit of a roller coaster, just like your stage performance.
1: Exactly, yeah, and you can okay. you can use that to say, well, I gained, uh, I gained you know, 10 rating points on this stage, but I gained 40 on this one. So it was this, what did I do better on that stage? Why Why was there a bigger uh, a bigger bump from that?
0: So, okay. So it could give you the opportunity to really kind of pinpoint where you performed well, maybe, and mm-hmm. then analyze the whys and try to just replicate that.
1: Yeah, it, it, it might give you a, some insight into what you do well that you uh, you may not see elsewhere okay yeah one of so absolute scoring like we you know use in our game is it's it's a good way to score but it's not necessarily a good way to uh, uh to like to analyze your own performance because being relative it's hard to say uh well being absolute rather it's hard to say well i did relatively well on this <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> everything's relative. Yeah, well, I mean
1: a lot of the time it is. Uh yeah. You it, it it matters how well you do compared to your uh compared to your opposition and that's what the Elo math shows you really clearly.
0: Now, could okay. Uh, and maybe and maybe this is irrelevant. Um but could a a b c d m g whatever use the software to compare themselves to other equally classified individuals over certain major matches
1: yeah i think that's actually one of the one of the best use cases for it in that it can give you an idea of how you're doing against your direct competition say in carry optics especially where every every classification is so crowded because everyone shoots carry optics it can be a little bit difficult to say, well, like, how good am I, though, in like in the realm of carry optics M's? And because because it's so well populated and because the people who shoot carry optics tend to shoot a lot of it, at least in the last year or two, um, you can get a, like, a pretty good sense for whether you're keeping up with kind of the overall slow gain of skill we see over the past, say, decade or in the sport, whether you're kind of ahead of that curve, behind it, or right on
0: track. How would you recommend, so it says uh, view USPSA results, generate ratings, predict outcomes. If I were to come to you and say, Jay, what's the best way for me to use this to try to get better and see where I stand with the competition, how, what would you recommend that I do?
1: I think some of it, that uh, it might even be... <laughs> It's it's a a stumper, that one. Um,
0: (laughs) I'm glad I'm not the only one who stumbles over my words (laughs) at times. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, no, uh, I'm
1: certainly one of those people for sure. Uh. As far as using it to get better, I'm not, I've I've given a couple of ideas of, of ways you might be able to use it to help analyze your own results. But one of the most useful things, I think, is giving you an idea of how good your competition is, too. If you oh, if you okay. if you go to a match and you uh, I don't know you shoot against like Matt Hempel or Luke Cow or somebody uh, yeah like the wow, very thanks. yeah oh, very very high <laughs> level guys but yeah because because GM despite having a very small percentage actually it's a very wide class in terms of skill you might not get the right idea about yourself if you go to one of those and they put like thirty percent on you
0: and they would yeah I mean that would be before we stepped up to stage one they're already thirty percent ahead of me. <laughs> Just, like, just though,
1: knowing, being able to look at the, at the ratings and know, oh, these guys are actually like, you know, like the top 20 or 30 shooters in the country, uh, uh, it it's gives you some perspective about your own level compared to that. You know, as opposed to, say, the guy who squeaked into Grandmaster and not really in contention to win majors, it's, you know, obviously still a very good shooter, but not in that kind of middle upper tier of Grandmaster who is a threat to win a, like any major they go to.
0: Okay, Um, so let's... I'll use Matt. I've had Matt on. Let's say over the last three years, he and I have only shot the same major four times. Mm -hmm. I should still be able to run something, I assume, that will show me a comparison between me and him to see if I'm closing that gap over those two to three years, maybe?
1: Yeah, that's the... That's the joy of ELO, I guess, because the idea is that it's comparing relative performances among the entire field at once. Even though you're not shooting against each other very often, you're shooting against a lot of the same people pretty frequently. Okay. And so kind of using them as carriers, you get some idea of your performance relative to each other because the system knows what your performance is relative to some middle group of people.
0: Now, how does one... So let's say I wanted to compare myself to Matt Hempel. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am not that much of a masochist, but let's say <laughs> I did, and I was. How would I go in and even do that? Like, how do, how do I run this program to be able to do that?
1: Well, the, uh, the primary way for that kind of thing is doing your own, uh, your own run of the rating system. The trick that, that's... I don't know if I want to say straightforward necessarily because I'm not uh, I'm not a user interface designer by any means Uh, but once once you've downloaded uh, analyst you can you can run it there's an option on the main menu for generate ratings and uh, in the little top left top right corner rather there's a uh, there's a like a menu option to import a file and one of the things that I distribute along with the software is the 2019 to current set of major match data that I use. okay yes that's that's a good place to start. It's also useful if you if you have like an active like a couple of active local clubs that you shoot against uh, where you shoot against people who you want to like compare yourself against, you can kind of do your own um, your own local match data set and those work pretty well too I find. Mm-hmm. as long as you're sticking within say one region, there's enough interconnection in the uh, like the set of shooters for the uh, for the the math to work reliably.
0: So I could use, so I, I'm, like I said, central Virginia. I, I live in the Fredericksburg area, about an hour <laughs> south of D.C. Um, so I could use those matches and maybe another local match to compare myself locally? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay. So I've done that.
1: Uh, one of the options, again, because these days low-cap divisions are pretty sparsely populated. Uh, I, I it, For the Western Pennsylvania matches, I do... Um, Like a little leaderboard for my own interest and in uh in low cap i am second place usually behind a guy in single stack and on par with a uh either like an upper b or lower a production guy which is about uh what i'd expect okay yeah just the the handicap for the slow reloads
0: so i assume uh you've got to create an account
1: uh it's actually it runs entirely on your own machine so uh, no account.
0: Okay, so yep. how, how would I... So if I click on this button here, or do I just go over here where it says, no, that would... Yeah, so
1: if you if you hit that link, um, and then scroll okay. down a little bit on that page, a little bit further down, there should be... Yeah. Oh, right here? Yep. Okay. You just download the, uh, the Windows zip file if that's you. And... Uh, okay. I, I don't have a Mac version because it's annoying doing things for Mac without paying the, uh, I the Apple tax.
0: <laughs> well, I, I just find Apple annoying anyway. Mm.
1: So. Yeah. Now, you'll find a lot of friends in uh, software circles with that opinion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I wondered why I liked those people. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, I've, I've downloaded I've clicked on it. What do I. All right. Hold on a second. <laughs> I'll set that over there what am I clicking on now to get this thing do I click on the USPSA result viewer yep okay
1: so you have to do the thing where it says you want to extract, extract the rest and yeah
0: extract all. Yep. Uh, okay we'll go there so if people end up watching the video they can see how this works too have a little uh, quick summons. tutorial Exactly, yeah. And with three screens, I don't know where it's going to pop up. <laughs> it went somewhere where I have no idea.
1: Uh, maybe uh, maybe try extracting everything first and then uh, launching it from where we extract. Like, I keep mine in a folder on my desktop.
0: Oh, there we go. Hmm.
1: Ah, that's probably why.
0: Yeah, that's exactly why.
1: It's not a virus. Cross my heart. Scout's yeah. honor.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need to... Uh, I... I and I added McAfee back on my computer, so I needed I mm. need to go back in and disable the other thing now. So you're saying you have already. So I take it back here. Mm-hmm. If we go back to this one, um, now you said you supply uh, some results already, or something yeah. to draw from.
1: Yes. Yeah. So if you uh, if you head back to the- Analyst, the bottom right button is the one that'll take you into the ratings thing. Okay. Uh, if you go to the, I think it's actually the like the up arrow in the top right. That should I think that's the import option. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Import. Uh,
1: and then the L two Nash- since twenty nineteen option there, or nationals and area. One either one of those will do.
0: All right. We'll just do nationals and area. That'll be faster oh, to download wow. too. Yeah. So it'll. Uh,
1: it's going to start downloading those in the background. Um, it'll take a little bit for the, to, to pull all of them down.
0: Okay. Yeah, but we'll, we'll let that we'll let that go then for now. It does it... Is there a way you know when they're done, or do they just disappear?
1: So it's uh, if you hit advance now, it'll it'll finish downloading them before it calculates ratings, and it'll give you a little progress bar to show. Uh,
0: Okay, I got you. Oh wow. Oh yeah, there you go. Oh, Looks that's like pretty it. quick. Yep. It's jumping yeah, across there.
1: I try and be yeah. a uh, like a good internet citizen because I'm basically <laughs> I'm just I'm just visiting the practice score website basically to get these uh, to get the results files here. So I, I try and do my best not to overload things for them.
0: Okay. Wow. It's a lot of uh, a lot of names on there. Mm-hmm the uh,
1: the bar graph icon in the top right that'll give you a uh, statistics about the number of shooters and uh, their kind of relative ratings.
0: Uh, so it says average rating one thousand and one. What is the maximum rating that a shooter can have? Do you know?
1: So as far as maximums go, there's not a kind of there's not a hard stop. Uh, the okay. the numbers will go up. Basically, until the predictions are accurate. So, if somebody was, I don't know, twice as good as as Christian and Open, uh, he'd end up with a significantly higher rating. Just until uh, until the predictions the system was generating started to come into into line with reality. With the settings that I send out by default, the maximum is kind of in the 1900 to 2000 range. Just kind of not not the like I said, not the maximum attainable but just sort of the maximum that seems to show up in the uh, in the numbers
0: gotcha now how would i use this information for me now it's if i wanted to see where i compared to others well you can
1: plug your name in the search box and uh get a sense for the, Is the that number the eyeball uh the just the search thing there uh in the middle of the screen under the like under the bar of divisions
0: oh okay i didn't yeah. see it there See what happens? Oh boy, I may have to. um <laughs> Oh eight. All right. Nobody's. Allowed. I'm editing this out. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. You can see me dip down and then come back up. That's about how my shooting's been.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a uh, one of the the really interesting things is how how well it seems to capture trends like that. Okay. If you were to look at uh, at Max michelle for instance, you can see he's got okay. a like a very high peak in the kind of 2020 early 2021 region when he was you know the guy in carry optics and as uh as the rest of the national heat has kind of come along too
0: oh uh, yeah. yeah he's okay. he's
1: he's slowly begun to to drop off as they kind of take the rating points from him and uh bring themselves up to his level
0: okay very interesting this is pretty cool so you could you could really take someone like you know what uh, um I've had June Kim on here a few times. Yeah. And he was talking about, there we go. How, yeah, there we go. That's exactly what I would have expected to see based on our conversation and how he's been performing. That's exactly how I would have, well, exactly. I mean, that straight up at an angle progress. Yeah. Very cool. This is pretty wild. Okay. You, I mean, you could just throw any. You know what? Since uh, we talked about how Matt would kill me, <laughs> let's see what we got from Matt. I think he's an interesting one. He
1: hasn't shot. He didn't shoot as much in twenty twenty two as he did in previous years. So
0: okay, he's
1: he slipped down the ratings a little bit. I think in that time, but mostly because other people have been getting better.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, and but even then it It slowed a little bit there towards the top, but it's still that upward. yeah, climb very interesting okay.
1: yeah n- another way to look at uh, to look at that on the the main results table there are there's an item for trend and that's the the change in someone's rating over the past thirty stages they've shot. So someone with a high trend mm. is still on the way up. Someone with a trend near zero is kind of they've sort of reached their uh, their correct rating, at least for the time being.
0: So Matt has a number of fifty. So it's still pretty.
1: Yeah, he's got some climbing uh, still coming up.
0: Yeah, Lane Grease fifty-seven. Okay, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Jacob Hetherington seven. Now this is carry optic. So yeah, if you're just listening, it, it's we're not comparing all divisions it's just carry optics so Dazi Zhang was 66 jacob was 78 and like we just discussed max was negative three um mason doesn't want to see this so i'm sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i think he had a rough uh nationals yeah yeah. yeah
0: yeah he had a rough 2022 there at the nationals there so um very interesting Interesting. Where Siler's six hundred and or seven hundred and ninety-eight. Yeah, but well, he said only, he only shot a couple.
1: Yeah. Uh, so he, uh, he he started his beginning rating because he was uh, he's not classified in carry optics at the moment. Uh, he, he he started at a rating of nine hundred. So he basically his entire his his trend is he's, he's only shot twenty-four stages. So that's just mm. all the rating points he's gained in the time since he started shooting carry optics in this data set.
0: Okay. So, yeah, there should be a huge jump now the error what where is this um error calculated by the rating system? Does that mean it's like a plus or minus two point three or plus or minus whatever the number is
1: very roughly so it's it's basically an internal value that the uh, is, is the internal value actually that the rating system uses to determine how it should be adjusting people's ratings. So I scale it, and I make it a little bit prettier for display since the numbers are actually uh, very small. Like, internally, it's operating on numbers between 0 and 1, and those kind of get inflated to the ones we see here. Uh,
0: now, so I'm sorry, go ahead, Jay. As
1: a, a, a a rating is kind of sort of like a plus or minus range, but it's not, uh, not strictly one, I would say.
0: Okay. Well, I'm, but I see where your error matches basically the um, the amount of times that they have participated in that division because Mills yeah. has a very small number, and he shoots a crap ton of carry optics, so that makes sense. Whereas Christian Siler's errors thirty five point two, well, you have a very small data set to pull exactly, from. Yeah. So if he has a bad match, I mean, it could be way off right yeah so okay, or if he so has a
1: particularly good one even
0: oh yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah either way yeah i mean either way but i mean it, with his rating at only 62 behind nils chances are he's not going to jump dramatically up you know the greater chance would be that uh, something catastrophic happening with his yeah. gun and it'd go the other way this is very interesting I actually did not want to... I waited to download it and do anything with it until you were here. And I figured, basically, yeah, it'd be a little how-to. So if anybody else is wanting to do it, they would be able to see it as well.
1: Yeah, that's, that was a, a good plan. Also, it warms my heart to see it so relatively easy to get started with.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it it is. And I am I am no software engineer. So... So you have there, this is not in any way um, talking to Practice Score at all. You've downloaded this data and put it in.
1: Yeah. So it, it uh it pulls the data from Practice Score once when you ask for a match the first time. Then it saves it locally. Okay. Yeah. So if you were to go back to the main screen now, uh, you can look at any of these matches, like the scores for any of these matches in your, uh, like on your hard drive. So the bottom left button there will do that. Okay. So that will list the matches that you've downloaded and let you uh, take a look at them uh, score-wise.
0: Hmm. Now, how would I go in and... Let's say I wanted to just add, like we talked about, local matches. How would I add that, download it, and add it?
1: The There's not a, a great way to do that right now because I don't have a good way to search what exists on Practice Score, but I think... So the... The slow way, but the easy way is to go to a club's practice score page and uh, add the URLs from there. Like you know, right-click on a URL, copy link, and paste into the uh, into the like the rating project setup screen.
0: Now, which one is that one?
1: That's the the one on the bottom right again.
0: Oh, the okay.
1: Yeah. So, if you wanted to create a new project with the icon up there in the top right.
0: Uh, Oh, the plus? Create new project? Okay. The URL from the club? Well,
1: first we'll uh, put a project name in to uh, Analyst and we can get started from there.
0: Okay. So create.
1: Mm -hmm. And then that plus button next to matches in the right column.
0: Okay, so I need to import all of the results? Yeah. Like, each one separately?
1: There's a way to do it faster, but it's probably going to be tricky to explain <laughs> over a video call. Um, you can also, oh, like, I can, you okay. can you can parse them out of the page source code, too, if you're a little bit more of an HTML jockey. But
0: I got you. Yeah. Okay. But otherwise, just Oop. go in and click each one and yeah, so you've, just add you, the URL.
1: You've encountered uh, the first of... <laughs> the the first issue that I'm actually fixing in the next release, I'm going to do probably uh, oh, okay. over the weekend. So if you hit, hit, get the plus button again,
0: uh, plus button. Yeah,
1: you actually have to hit enter or press that plus in the uh, in the field once you've pasted one in, oh, or else it right won't uh, it won't add it.
0: Yeah. Ah, uh, then hit okay.
1: Yeah. And now okay. in in the future, it will uh, it'll prompt you to make sure you want to discard the one in the field if you don't hit the enter button of the plus. So.
0: I gotcha, and that's uh, all you have to do.
1: Yeah, just uh, for for the matches you want to do, and that'll give you ratings.
0: Okay, then, that, well, that's not that difficult. That's actually pretty easy. All right, I I actually kind of like that way because I can't mess it up. <laughs> um, pretty cool. Now, what what is the future of this USPSA analyst?
1: Well, that's a uh, that's another good question. Um. I don't know how much of this i'm supposed to say but uh, oh, there okay. there is at least some interest uh, as i understand from uspsa itself about doing kind of in parallel to classification maybe some kind of rating system along these lines now I, mm. again I, that's that's probably uh like the, the maximal bound the upper bound of what i'm supposed to say uh, on on okay. those on that, on that subject but I know I've I've heard people say, wouldn't it be great if USPSA did this? And there is like there there have been some conversations along those lines. So,
0: I imagine you've had quite a few conversations, whether it's actual or virtual through Instagram or whatever, with competition shooting analytics.
1: Yeah, uh he seems like a good guy to me, and I really appreciate the the numbers he can run. We we come at our data from different ways, so oh. yeah. Okay. So I get, I get mine by practice score match file downloads. I think he did uh, like web scraping of the USPSA website. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he's okay. got, he's got a much, a much broader set of data and access to it more readily, but it takes longer to get like to, to, to download that kind of stuff, just cause you've got to go and look at each page and each uh, result. And even, even doing that automatically, there's a limit on how fast you can go.
0: I, I didn't realize that's how he was doing all that. That's,
1: yeah, so I think he, he did it once to get like a, you know, to download a good set of data and he's kind of updating it over time. But mm. one of one of the things that I tell, that I say whenever I come across someone who's running for uh, office for USPSA is it'd be great if we had some kind of API to pull all this stuff uh, ourselves because the people, people want to see this data and the, like there are a lot of software guys or math guys out there who play the game and they'll do it for free. You know, you just have to give them a way to get, to get the data out and you you get all this interesting analysis, um, which I think, I think enriches the sport.
0: Oh, I agree. I mean, in, in my conversations with, you know, Hopkins, Shatelov, um, you probably know Mike being in that area, Hmm. um, you know, just, and others that I've had conversations with, I think that, uh, being able to draw that, that data and be able to figure, you know, whether it's participation or like, like you said, the classifiers from the information that's being extracted, seems like they're very good predictors. And I like how um, competition shooting analytics is going in and saying, you know, these are, this batch are really, really good. We've got a few on either end. Some are too easy. Some are too hard. Mm -hmm. That seems like a great way to figure out, you know, how do we thin out the, the classifiers and see which ones actually work and don't.
1: Yeah, I think so it, it would be nice. On a, on a recent episode of Short Course, Ben Barry was talking about this issue too, saying that the, the classification system is one of the, like, the big values the organization brings to clubs and to, to members, you know, being able to, to see how you stack up against people nationally without having to go to majors and shoot against them. And the, the better the classification system is, the better that value is, the better it is for shooters and for clubs.
0: Now, the USPSA has their own ratings like top 20. Mm-hmm. Do you think that um, this software here would be able to refine that? Or do you think it's going to garner basically the same results as to what they have?
1: Well, the top 20 on the USPSA page is just the top 20 classification percentages. So it has it has the same... The same flaws and the same uh, benefits that the classification system does Uh, something i hear said and also say pretty often is that uh, classification generally measures how good of a trigger puller you are as opposed to how good of a like a overall well-rounded shooter you are Uh, the thing about that though is that the people who win they're all uniformly very very good trigger pullers you don't need to be the very best trigger puller to win but you won't win without being a very good trigger puller
0: Right, yeah. I get that. I mean, Nils, um, last time I talked to him, he came out and said, I wasn't the best shooter at Carry Optics Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, that was Isaac Lockwood, he said, but I was the best competitor out
1: there. Right, yeah, that, there, so there's that's the the thing that classification doesn't fully measure. Um,
0: performance, but it, right, yeah. in a match. But
1: but any any one of the the guys in contention to win uh carryoppics can, can go out and shoot hundred percent classifiers you know without give them like three or four rounds you'll see probably at least one or two hundos in there and yeah and that's, yeah. that's 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 kind of what classification's saying it's it's a it's a necessary but not sufficient thing to get you to like to winning matches in national titles
0: right, but at least yeah. it lets you know that you're getting very close exactly you yeah know? if
1: you're Uh, It it says you might not be necessarily in the conversation for, like, the the podium or for the top step, but you are in the conversation uh, to be one of those guys.
0: Right. You pretty much know if you're a master class shooter, chances are you going to nationals isn't going to thrust you up into that top three, but at least you know you're making your way there. Yeah, yeah. I totally get it.
1: Yeah. So as far as uh, as far as top twenty goes, I I think this kind of system exists perfectly happily next to classification. You know, the the Elo side and the classification side. They're sort of they're not measuring different things necessarily, but I think they're for different purposes. You know, classification is a game within the game, and I don't see any problem with keeping that around for people to play as they like.
0: So I'm curious. Um, one of the things that I've you know, I've been talking to people about is live streaming. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go into that necessarily here, but part of that conversation is, um, one of the, one of the topics that has been brought up is it would be more interesting if we were like NASCAR, where there was a point system to get you to nationals, you know, not necessarily just to be a competitor, Mm -hmm. but, in order to be talked about in that this person has a chance to win nationals then they have to be in that points conversation um, is this tracking something like this or creating a software that can do this uh, I feel like would be something that would allow you because let me, if you gave you could either you could do it a couple different ways. You could either base their points on their ratings, or uh, and or points based on first, second, third place at major matches. Yeah. Do you ever see like this software being able to use be used for something like that?
1: Well, it's funny you should ask. It actually already does. Uh, it's, it's got a way to score point series already. Okay. <laughs> and I guess that's another another thing uh, I thought would be interesting. It was one of those winter projects where I said, well, I mean I might want to run a point series next year for my match. And I'll I'll just build it in. And uh it it'll it can score it in a couple of ways. Um there's uh one that depends it's a, you're basically your your score is the total number of people you've beaten at uh, at matches in a given division. Mm,
0: okay. There's one
1: that that gives points in kind of the uh like the the I guess the like the formula one twenty five eighteen fifteen, and so on down the the finish order to uh, like to one point at tenth uh, set up. okay and i think are there four there's one that just kind of gives you like an exponential decay function for assigning points, so the first person gets thirty the next person gets i don't know say twenty seven and then so on uh down to infinitesimally small numbers as you get further out the order
0: okay, and there's point one more zero, that i zero zero one yeah.
1: And there's and there's one more I think I don't recall which I don't, I don't recall which one that is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's oh, just just, uh,
1: just percentage like the, the same the same scoring they use to do uh, like world shoot qualification.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So in Analyst, there's a like a set a drop down in the settings screen for rating system, and you can set that to points, and it will uh, kind of with tooltips and such guide you through uh setting up a point series
0: now where would that be
1: so uh the rating engine elo option there on the whoop.
0: oh yes it isn't it in, the, in the same in the same spot yeah okay
1: yeah so uh midway down the left column there's rating engine elo and if you hit that drop down you can set it to points instead and that will
0: oh yeah. okay Current settings will be lost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, so you can just play with it. Yeah. Huh. Oh, and then there's your options. Okay. So F1 inverse.
1: Yeah, that's the number of people you beat.
0: Okay. Percent and then decaying. Man, this thing, uh, it seems like it's got quite a bit of um, options here.
1: Yeah, it does a little bit of, well, kind of like me, it does a little bit of everything. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right, now I'm going to switch gears. Mm-hmm. Um, this was awesome. Uh, I love this, I, and I hope people start using this more. Uh, and if they need to watch the YouTube video of it, then they should to be able to see that. Now, I we were talking earlier. I'm going to go back to the guns for a moment. Ah, oh, yes. You had posted this on your. Uh, Instagram that you have 1% of all the 9mm Super GP100s on the planet. Mm-hmm. Now, these two are are not the same.
1: Uh, they're closer now than they were.
0: Is this the way they are in the picture? Is that how you bought them? Or did you modify them when the picture was taken?
1: The one on the bottom, uh, that has a the Hogue extended cylinder release. So both of them have that now. Uh, okay. They both actually have the uh, the Hogue rubber grips as opposed to the like the Ruger OEM style on the bottom. Okay. Yeah, so the... I, I In dry fire over the winter, I found, well, one, that one of my guns, the uh, the OEM style grips will actually be... Uh, it'll interfere with the mainspring strut, that cross screw. So there's a little tiny bit of a, like a hitch in the trigger uh, as the, oh. like the mainspring strut slides past that screw.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, so I decided. Well, I'll just I, I've got a couple of these, like the Hogue rubber ones, lying around. I'll just switch to those, uh, altogether. And the last difference is a very subtle one. The rear sights are different. the The one on the bottom has the uh, the Bowen Classic Arms Rough Country, which I'm trying to standardize on, but they're out of stock right now, so I'm stuck with the Ruger Factory ones up top.
0: Now it also looks like you're missing the hammer on the upper. Uh yeah. So that
1: one that one came to me with a uh, with a bobbed hammer.
0: Is that a replacement part, or? Uh,
1: so, I, as I understand, David Elhassoo did that one. So he's he's kind of the guy. If you don't want to work on your own Rugers.
0: Oh, okay. I and had I the chance. I know he's a big revolver guy. Yeah. So,
1: uh, as he, I'm, I'm told. I think I, I think I've been told that he was pretty involved in the like design and release of the Super GP One Hundred in the first place. So, it's kind of got his fingerprints on it either way around. Um, I had a chance to pull his trigger a couple of times at the irc last november and is, uh, are,
0: are you allowed to say that in public you trigger? <laughs> <laughs> I, well it's, it's, it's just like I, I just play with his gun no that's not any better is it <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I,
1: I had a chance to uh, at the safe table <laughs>
0: um, no, there's, 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 there's okay. not a good way to say this. Go. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I, I pulled the trigger on his revolver uh, at the safe table at the IRC, and he's, his are still a little bit better than mine, uh, even even after all the work I've done on them and all the stuff I figured out. Uh, you're being like an actual gunsmith with actual tools and not just a guy in his basement with a couple of files. Um, he, He's I think, still probably the, the premier Ruger Whisperer. If you're looking for the the very finest trigger pull you can get.
0: Oh, okay. All right, I'm going to blow this up bro. Real... <laughs> Here we go, we're both using terms. <laughs> uh, all right, there we go. Now, the grooves... Are, are these slots all the way through into the barrel, or is this just on the outside on the frame?
1: So that's just uh, like they're just uh, lightning cuts on the barrel shroud.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. Because it looked like I could see the barrel underneath, but I'm like, well, maybe, maybe I'm just seeing... The barrel on, or the steel on the other side. I didn't know.
1: Yeah, so it is Uh, the uh, it is the barrel under there. Um, Okay. Yeah, but no, no further than that. Just into the, just through the, like through the shroud. Which is good because they're pretty nose heavy guns, uh, as it is. You know, anytime you have a revolver with a six inch barrel out front, there's going to be a lot of weight in front of your hands.
0: Now, what revolver do you normally use in competition?
1: Well, I only got the second one. uh, uh, pretty recently so last year i shot the uh the one on the bottom
0: oh okay i've seen you've you've put an optic on a revolver
1: yeah so the last year i had a uh, i carried the nine millimeter as my main gun and i brought the uh, the 357 around to matches as my backup which meant carrying two calibers which was not great for my back <laughs>
0: <laughs> right yeah uh or your paid or your wallet. exactly yeah, yeah. so now
1: that, I, now that i've got two nines, the uh, the three fifty seven is my open revolver gun. Um, so which uh, th- I think uh, that might come out, like I said, for uh, an i match this year, and it's going to be... I'm shooting that at the Falling Steel World Series, so that should be a good time.
0: Mm. Okay. Now, where's the i match going to be at?
1: Uh, that's at uh, Antolani.
0: Oh. But so your backyard?
1: Yeah, more or less. It's like a four-hour drive, I think.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't expect it to be that far away. Yeah. I actually well, thought I've... it would was no more than nationals, but I guess I'm wrong.
1: <laughs> Pennsylvania is <laughs> pretty wide that way. It uh, is,
0: it's quite wide, yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a, I have a bed and breakfast out there um, that I like staying at, whose name I'm not going to give because they have beer on tap in the common area and I don't want to that getting out too far.
0: <laughs> All right, we won't share the name then. Yeah. Do you plan on shooting your open revolver in any matches?
1: I might bring it out to like USPSA locals a couple of times too, beyond the uh, beyond the two majors. It's going to see it's it's fun uh, in a different way than regular revolvers. Like the it takes some of the like the iron sight alignment stuff out of the picture, obviously, and uh, lets you focus more on the you know the the reloading fast, but just the part that looks the coolest. So <laughs> <laughs> it may end up with some uh, some barrel ports this year, but it's kind of an awkward uh, like the the. Design of the muscle is kind of awkward to get a good port in there, so I guess we'll see how it uh, mm. how it turns out.
0: I thought I saw a post where... And I'll be scrolling forever. But um, I thought I saw a post where you shot your open revolver and in a classifier and oh, you yeah. were 80, 84%... On a in open division,
1: yeah, that was I think probably a little bit further down because that was the uh, the January match at one of the locals. Okay. Yeah, that was a uh, it's the twenty two oh six I think the. Yeah, right there on the left. Um, is that blues don't care?
0: Uh, okay. So just enough you didn't have to reload.
1: Yep. Yeah, that's that's typically going to be the uh, I think the the, the limit on my open classification when I'm shooting revolvers is the uh, the number of reloads. I think uh, All right. One I can maybe get to like a class on open classifiers. Two I'm probably down in B or C. Okay. Zero I can you know I can do pretty well apparently, but.
0: Yeah, not too shabby pretty solid
1: these little stand and shoot stages that's one of the places i do best at i feel like at local matches there you know there have been a couple of times over the past year or so where uh, i've you know, i go to a local i finish kind of in the 70 80 percent range a lot of the time um which is again pretty typical for revolver guys shooting against high capacity semi-autos right. but then on the classifier uh, like a, yeah, a six or seven round stage there i'm up at like 15 or 20% above the next guy.
0: Okay, so that's where you can...
1: Yeah, that's, I can make up ground places. there, yeah.
0: How long does it normally, when you're training, how long does it... What's your part-time for reloads?
1: So, I do them kind of in... Uh, in Well, it, I've done them down to like about a 1.6 in dry fire. Well, I've done them to about a 1.6 in live. Uh, I think my best ever dry fire reloads like a 1.3, but that was... Cheating pretty hard, I think, on both ends.
0: Oh, uh, okay. So starting to move early and yeah, and okay.
1: Yeah, but I, I've shot uh, I've shot a four aces live with a like a one point six one, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of roughly uh, what I'll set a part time to. Uh, okay, I also do the uh, the the, the Burkett drill kind of, except modified for revolvers. So my part time from. Uh, like from beep to moon clip over the cylinders about 0.8 and the rest is getting it in the gun enclosed and up on target
0: so are are you when you're flipping that thing over and the cylinder is inverted does it are you still having to pop them out or do they normally fall out on their own
1: it's typically a a, a pop for me um okay i find nine millimeter tends to uh Tends to swell enough so that it stays in place. But the nice thing about it is that, being tapered, once you get it started, it'll come the rest of the way out by itself.
0: All right. So it's an e- it's still an easy. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah. It, if you see any of uh, any of the videos I have where I'm reloading in third person, they tend to end up like six or eight feet behind where I am, just because I, I don't, I, I don't give them a chance to uh to not come out. It's... So
0: you're depressing that thing completely.
1: Yes. It's a, it's a yeah. pretty violent motion um that's actually that's one of the reasons why i like shooting rugers because they're built uh they're built like tanks so i i do all the things that they say you're not supposed to do to revolvers like i'll yeah you know, i drop the cylinder open when i reload and i hammer it as hard as i can to get them out and uh i slam it back closed when i'm done
0: and they take it
1: oh yeah uh okay they've had i don't know probably like ten thousand dry fire reloads on one of them and uh, that's no detectable difference in it so
0: all right. Not a sponsor, but uh apparently no. free. I mean, if, they, if, if they if they want to. All right. <laughs> all right. So now we know they're rugged enough to, to handle all of that. Mm-hmm.
1: Actually the yeah. only person I've ever seen be more violent to a revolver than me was somebody on Team Ruger.
0: <laughs> all right. Yeah. Do you see anybody um beating Michael Poggy anytime soon?
1: I don't know. Uh so his his strength is his consistency and his mental game, like uh, like you were saying about Nils, he's a very good competitor.
0: As I was about to say, so yeah. he's the Nils of Revolver here. Yeah. So, okay. they, so it was uh, so it was
1: it was close. I think after day one of nationals last year, uh, I don't recall if it was McGinty or Wolf who were close to him, but one of the, one of the other top revolver guys, and uh, he just kind of said okay and turned up like turned on another level for day two. And uh
0: I'm not sure how old you are, Jay, but you look like you would remember Nancy Kerrigan, I feel like. Uh, you might have of, to might might have to pull a Nancy Kerrigan to knock him out of the top yeah. spot. <laughs> I don't know. I
1: hope to maybe uh give it take a crack at him the you know the the honorable way first. We'll see how <laughs> it goes in there. <laughs> of course. Yeah. <laughs> All
0: right, we're going into day three. You got too big of a lead. <laughs> I'll just he'll
1: pull a uh, he'll pull a Rob Latham and you know, win just hobbling around.
0: That that's why he's the goat though. Yeah. Of American shooters. I mean twenty nine national championships.
1: Yeah, just forever uh, on top of on top of the charts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean what was it? Not last year, but the year before mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think it was yeah, yeah the year before. Last
1: last year he was he was a little bit down. I think Nils shot single stack last year too, so
0: Oh, yeah, okay, then that's not fair. Mm-hmm. So, but he, yeah,
1: I mean, even even now, like, uh, I, I think he's a he's a very good uh, example of the fact that you need more than just being able to run around to win.
0: Well, Jay, that's what I've got. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about or bring up before we close this thing down? I think
1: uh, I think we got a pretty good pretty good coverage of the topics that I am most qualified to talk about <laughs>
0: <laughs> and allowed to talk about. Yeah,
1: revolvers okay. and mathematics; those are kind of my
0: things. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, I appreciate you coming on. This has been a fantastic talk.
1: It's It's been a great time.
0: All right, We'll have to have you. You know what? How about after uh, Ironsight Nationals? We have you back on.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a, great, uh, like a great time.
0: Awesome. And again, thanks for coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.